Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to Mile High Insiders with Nick Kendall and Luke Patterson. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Now, it's time to find out what's going on behind the walls of UC Health Training Center. All right, guys, welcome in. It is 6.03 Mountain Time, which means it's it's Tuesday, February 1st, which means it's time for an episode of Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall, and joined by, as always, on Tuesday nights for Building the Broncos, Carl Dummler. Carl, how you doing today, man? Never a dull moment in Broncos country. (laughs) That's for sure. They, they like to be in the the news, both good and bad, it seems like. I But, uh, you know, there, there was good news of looks like Broncos are going to be sold. We're going to be moving forward with ownership. And then, of course, the Flores situation, we'll get into all that. But, uh, but yeah, it's, I mean, we, we never run out of things to talk about. That's for sure. You know, even, even we, when we do this show more than once a day sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's still something to talk about. And uh, that's, that's the love of football, man. You got to love it that it's year-round now. Yep. No, absolutely. You're around, especially with the NFL combine and everything going in there. But let's say hello to some people in here. Mike Woodward, the half drunk, fully hungover head coaching interviews with equals Vic Fangio. Um, I was a half drunk, fully hungover almost that entire tenure. I've, I've been since 2015 for the Broncos. Let's be real. Um, it's been rough. Um, we have Nathan saying now we know why Brian Flores wasn't interviewed. Uh, Float saying that he's just angry he didn't get the job. Um, got King of Kings saying, um, accusing LA of a hangover 24 hours later. I mean, you never get hung over if you keep drinking, right, Carl? I, not to get too into the weeds there. I was in a fraternity. I've, I've seen things, um, as yeah. far as the consumption of alcohol. God. Um, maybe I don't want to get you to say anything on the record with your, uh, your background here. Uh, Lawrence Rivera. Hey guys, I just want to say Flores did better than Vic with the dolphins. I'd say he has merit. Um, this is like the Deshaun Watson thing for me, where there's accusations going on and we don't have all the information. We just have a he says, they says situation. So best to kind of let it play out and put out the he says versus they says as information, not fact. And uh, just let the chips fall as they may. Um, it's right. no doubt a, I guess, just a statement on it before bringing people in here. Brian Flores uh, is put out a common action lawsuit against the NFL the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos as far, and also John Doe teams. I think it said on there. It gave me a good chuckle mm-hmm. seeing that on there. Um, and the Broncos in there specifically uh, that the Broncos staff for the interview in 2019 where they interviewed Vance Joseph, Kyle Shanahan, and Brian Flores in the class action lawsuit. It says that Elway, uh, Ellis, and the rest, whoever interviewed him, showed up an hour late um, and was were pretty obviously hungover. Uh, this is again coming from the class action lawsuit PDF that I combed over. I think it was point number 21 um, on, in this class action lawsuit. Uh, so that's what Flores said. The Broncos said, um, released a statement today. Patrick Smythe, busy at work, just got the head coaching interview done. Now busy with this. I don't think Patrick Smythe sleeps, man. He's, he's a busy dude. Um, <laughs> but um, 
had a statement today said that they have record that the interview took um, took uh, happened on time, uh, seven thirty a.m. It was three and a half hours long. There are detailed notes, and they are going to fight the allegation that this happened. Uh, Carl, I guess just did I lay that out there? Is there anything else that you want to touch on with that information? Obviously, we can get to the chat here. I'm going to ask you guys to try to be civil with this as much as you can because it is a very inflammatory uh, conversation, and we all have biases one way or another that could lead to. Uh, takes on this, but again, just trying to be walk that line and understand what the information is that we have right now. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. Tick pick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site tick pick will give you 110 percent of the difference in the purchase price that's right guys when we were searching for tickets for the mhh meet and greet for week three at home broncos versus jets tick pick had us locked down so visit tickpick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save ten dollars on your first order of broncos tickets yeah i'd say until there's more information that comes out right now you can't really lean one way or the other um it's it's a difficult situation and i I think i'd be careful to to make a judgment either way on this you know i I want to uh listen what flores has to say because i i do think that the nfl has not always done well with the minority coaching area and and you know that they're working on it but sometimes the way they're working on it isn't always the best way but like I said, we just got to be careful with all of this that we don't go one way or the other uh, because both sides have a story to tell. And it, it's kind of what's the old saying? There's there's always three stories, um, three sides, there's or three sides to a story, um, his, her or his and his and, and the truth. And so we're we're just going to wait and see if there's more details that come out about this. Maybe there won't be more details and we'll just kind of see. But Flores has made the decision that he's willing to put his entire career on the line. And I mean, you got to give the guy credit for being willing to pretty much kind of blacklist himself from the NFL with this. And, uh, and I, I, Hey, if this is the hill that he wants to die on more power to him. Yeah. Yep. Um, we'll see how it all plays out and, uh, what happens with it all. Um, I guess the other elephant in the room here is that the, the truth of the matter is, and there's reports dating back there from like Woody page back when Elway was, playing um that la would go to a bar slam 10 beers and get behind the wheel uh, and drive into a colorado sunset kind of thing la is a pretty well-known um drinker i wouldn't use the phrase the, the word alcoholic but he does enjoy uh beverages specifically the brown um from what i understand and that um have, there's been a case where i came across john la um in downtown indianapolis and been like yep he's uh he's enjoying himself so was I, um, you know, yep. he's an adult and uh, he can make that decision. Um, but stuff like that, either way, it does look, it's bad for the Broncos representation. It's not a good look for the league on the whole. And uh, just in general, uh, 
it's ugly, you know, but this that's going to happen when you have a lot of these people, a lot of money, a lot of power, um, stuff like this is going to come to the surface. And I think that we do need to acknowledge that there are problems in the league when it comes to representation, uh, when there are only two minority head coaches when, and 70% of the league is African-American and there are zero owners who are African-American. You know, I think it's fair to question uh, representation um, in those situations. This specific one, though, we'll see how it plays out. I do not think that it is uh, one that we, again, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, Carl. We got Colby coming in here. We had a couple few more supers. Let's get to Colby here. Thank you so much, Colby, for the for the Facebook. We appreciate you. I think we also had Wildner earlier also. Um, the big thing here is I don't want to debate the merits or the working, uh, how effectiveness of the Rooney rule is. Um, obviously there is a problem, but is this a specific symptom of the problem? It's hard to say from where we sit, but it's, uh, either way it sucks. It sucks. The Broncos are involved. It sucks that this Flores is saying this happened. It sucks that the NFL is having, having this happen, but it's, uh, it's where we are. It, it is. And, you know, I, again, I, I don't doubt that there are teams that have coaching interviews that they don't take all that serious. Yeah. Um, whether it's the Rooney rule or not, I, I think there's still even other coaches that, aren't taken as serious, but maybe they're doing a favor for somebody. Uh, there, there's a lot of nepotism that goes into the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like when the Broncos drafted Chad Kelly. Yep. There's a lot of rumors that that was kind of a favor of a favor kind of thing. Yep. And uh, I want to get to Rodney Garcia here saying, good evening, Broncos country. Hope everyone is having a blessed day. Right back at you, Rodney. Appreciate you joining us here this evening. And we got Reggie McDowell coming in with a $5 super. Really appreciate that saying unfortunately you can't make owners hire who they should wish we had hired him anything was better than vic um you know and, and that's again we, we don't know what was going on in those interviews yeah. we, we got speculations of things that kind of came out of who had good interviews who didn't um it's kind of like the when vance joseph was hired there's a lot of rumors of um shanahan having the best interview blowing people away and then joe ellis kind of stepping in saying no we're not hiring this guy so you know, again, there, there's just so many things that go into this, even beyond just the interview process. Uh, I, did you watch the behind the scenes episode? Yeah, it was great. Um, I really enjoyed yeah. it. I really laughed at, I mean, you know, we're still in the honeymoon phase. So everything that Hackett does, we're swooning over. But uh, I really got a good laugh out of the uh, when he's in the garage, just going through stuff. And it's like, oh, a gold suit, uh, Tiara. This is high priority stuff. We got to bring this with. And the camera's guy It's like, OK, yeah. It's like, no, I'm just I'm just fucking with you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just, just being weird. <laughs> I, I just felt that yeah. nervous energy having to make a joke just because oh, I'm on camera. I better do something funny. Um, yeah, I, totally relatable. Um, that was great. But yeah, it looked like a good thorough process um, from the 20 minute video that we saw. But who knows? Right. And so, again, we don't know what's all going on. And I loved the part where they talked about the whole process. They said the interview is only part of what we do. Mm. There, there's background checks. There's interviews with past coaches they've worked with, past organizations they've worked with. You know, they, they get into the nitty gritty. It's kind of like uh, we're going to talk about the Senior Bowl a little bit today, I think. And uh, we will. This is it's part of the process, but you can't get too overhyped by a player having a great week at Senior Bowl or yes, down there at Mobile. And you can't get too down if they have a bad week. You know, it's part of the process. It's part of the evaluation. It depends on the type of bad week. If they're going in there and like blowing up at coaches and looking uninterested and stuff like that, then uh, that's that says something. Um, but as yeah. far as the actual play, the tape itself should be the most important thing. It's important, to, though, to see these guys go side by side, especially for some of these smaller school guys. Um, Rodney Garcia coming in. Uh, so the Broncos are up for sale. And since Robert F. Smith opted out, 
to bid. So I saw that today is Peyton Manning still up for bidding. It would be a group with Peyton Manning. Um, that's the thing. It's not just going to be Peyton Manning. Um, so uh, yes, he's, I would say he's still in the running uh, for that situation. I would say that he is not the likely owner in this situation, um, given that he's going to have to be backed up by somebody with way more money. And there are like uh, stipulations as far as how many people can be involved, how much every single person has to go. I don't remember the exact specific details for the ownership. Group. I, I think it's like, I feel like it's, if you want to be the, the face of the ownership group, yeah. you have to contribute something like 10% if I remember right. So okay. it'll kind of depend on how much the team sales for. Okay. Uh, so Manning and them, Last I heard, the rough estimate of all the Mannings together was they were worth somewhere between four and five hundred million. Mm-hmm. So it kind of fits with the estimation of how much the team is going to cost of that four or five billion dollars. Uh, do they want to put all their eggs in this one basket? That, that's do asking it. a lot. <laughs> do it, <laughs> do it, Manning. Um, yeah, no, it's it could uh, could impact it. I. Again, the stuff today maybe impacts John Elway uh, as well. You know, just being involved with the Broncos going forward. And there's been a lot of stuff behind the scenes about John Elway's involvement. I wouldn't say meddling is the right word, but just, you know, some boys club kind of acting and alcohol consumption involved with working with the Broncos, which is not great. Um, You don't want to have that situation going on from from the head of your organization. But uh, we'll see how it plays out. Um, Don't want to disparage completely Elway because he did a lot of good things for Denver. But at the same time, he is a human being and human beings make mistakes. You know, don't there's he can be an idol for you, but uh, you understand that he's going to make mistakes out there. Uh, Miguel coming in saying, sup, fellas, sounds like the Broncos treated interviews are treated like a meeting agenda. If so, I'm sure they will uh, turn in the minutes. Either way, I'm sure the truth will come out. Yeah, it does sound like there were documented notes and stuff um, that will come out. And also, I think there's a I can't think of what the exact word is. Did not go to law school, folks. Um, It's far enough in the past where I don't know if it will be it'll hold in court. There's some like specific law about how far, how long ago that occurred that it maybe is not still could be used in court, but I don't know. Um, we'll see if that's just me reading one thing and be like, Oh, okay. I didn't know that law. Um, and moving on. So we'll see. Um, but, uh, we got Lawrence Rivera coming in saying, I think they did the same thing with the enemy though. Reed says he should have gotten hired two years ago. He feels he's way Reed, but he'll take him if no one uh, else does. So, Maybe with Eric Bieniemy, um, who knows? I've heard talk that Eric Bieniemy has been struggled in interviews. Um, like didn't even know the personnel, um, the roster of the Broncos, and coming into those interviews, and that's like the preparation where you need to know like who the players are on your team and what your plan is for them. And that's been an issue with Bieniemy. Right. Um, that's pure hearsay uh, on my end. I will admit that fully. You know, I wasn't well, in the interview to say that or to hear that, but that's a concern. Okay, I know. I know Albright reported on that. Okay, he so said that that's, that's what he was told was the enemy was asked about players on the team. And you think he plays the Broncos twice a year and he's been playing the Broncos twice a year for a lot of years here. You would think you'd know at least a few of the players names. And they said, nope, this guy was not prepared, did horrible in the interview. There's a couple guys that really struggled, didn't have any clue who was on the roster. Um, and it sounds like even a couple of them came in. They pretty much wanted to blow up the entire roster go get their guys, get everything. And I I don't fully blame them, but it's kind of one of those things. You can't blow up a 53 man roster. (laughs) You don't have the money. You don't have the resources to do that. You got to do it over time. So you got to figure out how to work with what you got until you can get what you want. Yeah. And there's just a lot of guys that don't have that kind of mindset. That's part of what attracted them to, uh, to hack it was the fact that he came in and it wasn't that he was 
putting out a wish list of, hey, I want to go get Rodgers. I want to do this, this, and this. It was, here's what I can do with the 53 players, or or actually, it's not 53 under contract right now, but however many are under contract. He's like, this is what I can do with the players that are here. And he had a huge plan just for the players that are here. And that that really won over the room, just seeing how prepared he was. Yeah. You know, th- these are the interviews for, you're helping run a multi-billion dollar business. They want to see that you're actually going to come in and be prepared for the interview. Mm-hmm. And Biennemi just doesn't seem to put in the work. Now, again, that, that's just, I'm not, like you said, we're not in the interview actually being a part of that. It's what's kind of the information that's come out about him. Yep. Uh, also, Biennemi has some um, Me Too stuff in his time in uh, Boulder as well that would make him a tough hire in Denver. And I was told that it was more of a throwing a bone to some CU people in the Broncos organization, you know, giving or helping the CU organization to prop somebody up that's attached to the Colorado uh, football team. So uh, who knows? Um, Nathan coming in here. Good to see you, Nathan. Always love seeing that. Uh, I, the picture is like so small on my screen, but it looks like you have a killer mustache. So I want to give props to the mustache there. Um, my wife will not says I'll be divorced if I get a mustache, but one day it's coming up. I turned 30 <laughs> on Sunday, so maybe I should just rock it for my, for my one birthday or for my 30th birthday. Um, it seems that Vic's scheme can work versus Mahomes. Do you think any of the candidates will continue to run and build up that scheme? Schemes are always constantly changing. And if you are a team that is trying to mimic what's working, odds are you are going to be behind the ball. You know, you're not innovative in that case. You're replicating everybody. So I'm guessing that you're going to see a ton more uh, too high next season. And even though too high, I think is the way to go. A death by a thousand paper cuts versus, you know, seppuku to the chest with the Mahomes led offense. I think that's the way to go. Um, But the thing about, um, gosh, about that scheme is you do want to run it. I think it's a big part of the interview process as well. From my understanding is that Peyton has grown quite fond of the scheme, thinking that it is the way to slow down Mahomes. Um, but who, who knows? Uh, I don't think that, I think the bigger thing coming out of this and it's seen what the Bengals did with their cover one, it rushing guys, it's, it's more about allocating bodies to coverage than it is the two high safeties so much. I mean, you need to be able to mix it up. Um, but when you send five guys against Mahomes, just, you know, good luck. <laughs> we'll see you next time. But the Bengals rushing three, uh, Tampa Bay last year in the Super Bowl rushing four, uh, Vic Fangio refusing to blitz versus Patrick Mahomes. There's something in the sauce there uh, that works against him. So I want to look out for that. All right, we got Rodney coming back again saying, I would love to see Manning to own the Broncos. Maybe that will attract Rodgers to come to Denver. Overall, I see a future for the Broncos. Hmm. Um, part of the, my one concern here, there's a really good chance the Rogers situation is probably figured out before ownership is figured out. Oh, six months. Now, they said. now maybe yeah, right. they said before the start of the 2022 season. Now, does that mean like the actual games being played or does that mean the beginning of the league year? Because those are two very different dates, obviously. It said, uh, I said, I read six months. So that would mean because the league year starts with free agency opening, right? Technically, like it is 2022 free agency that opens up in March. Yeah. So there's no way it's happening before then. There's there's no yeah. way. There's no way they're going to sell them in a month. Just sorry. Just yeah, you're right. Me. I mean, when you're talking multi-billion dollars. Yeah. It's not happening. Yep. 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 Uh, but anyway, Rodney come in. Um, definitely, I would see the the Rogers situation is going to be figured out uh, prior to Broncos ownership. So we'll see who it is. It is unfortunate. I think that Robert F. Smith is dropping out of the uh, not dropping out, but saying that he's not really a candidate. But uh, we'll see the names when we find him. Um, that's the biggest thing. Uh, and 
you can hope for a good owner, somebody that's going to bring money into this, but you also hope for somebody that is empowering those guys around them. You don't want to have the Jerry Joneses of the world while he can make, you know, players rich and bring the brand and everything like that and build Jerry world, even though it's East West facing, what the hell are they thinking? This still makes me laugh. They paid that huge stadium and it's facing the direction of the sun where it's like unplayable for some of the day. Um, but uh, Rodney coming back in Rodney Garcia, what are some good edge rushers that the Broncos should consider in the draft? Oh, Rodney, you came to the right place. Um, let's take Thibodeau and Hutchinson off the table. There are a lot of good other edge rushers and let's focus on the senior bowl guys right now as well, because there are some names there. Um, somebody that was apparently flashing pretty well today against, uh, Daniel Falele, Falele. I think I said his name right out of Minnesota is a uh, Sanders edge mm-hmm. rusher out of Cincinnati. He's one that could go the end of round one to sometime round two. Uh, Cam Thomas out of San Diego state is kind of more of a five tech edge rusher hybrid type with good length and power. Um, my kind of edge rusher, to be completely honest, I like the more pocket crunching power kind of guys, uh, that can play gap and a half or two gap. Uh, Cam Thomas can do that pretty well. And, uh, the other edge rusher today that was standing out was, oh my gosh, his name is escape. Oh, Jermaine Johnson. Um, the second Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida state transferred there from Georgia this year. I think it was ESPN's Justin Reed that said that Jermaine Johnson was the most impressive player at the senior bowl today in his eyes. Uh, so keep an eye out for him. He, I think he could go easily as the, uh, the third um, edge rusher off the board with just, you know, after Hutchinson Thibodeau, how kind of jumbled up it is. So we'll see. Um, but J- Jeremy, Jermaine Johnson is one to keep an eye out for Todd. Want to say hi to you, Todd. Good to see you, buddy. Um, hi to you. And I hope your family and everybody's doing well. Yeah, let's keep it going. Um, we're going to get on Scott here pretty soon when he's ready, but Carl, any other thoughts here on the, um, uh, the Brian Flores stuff with uh, the Broncos before we move on too far. No, I, I think we've covered most of it that I, I would be comfortable talking about at, the, at least at this point. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out for sure in the end. And you know, what, what changes does the NFL make that yeah. e- even if, even if the Flores stuff isn't what it is, it's still got to get the NFL talking about what are we doing in this situation? What are we, what are we doing to help, make sure that the best candidates are really getting the jobs for these jobs. Um, like I said, there's, I would say the biggest problem in the NFL really is the nepotism and just the, it is the old boys club. Like there's a lot of guys that keep getting jobs that should be not getting jobs that have no clue what they're doing. Uh, you think about uh, Balk down in, in uh, with the Jaguars, like th- there's coaches coming to ownership and saying, I want this job, but not if he's here. And there's been multiple coaches saying that over and over again. You would think that would be a sign to ownership. Hey, this guy should not have his job. Yep. But they still continue to stick with him. Yep. Uh, the only thing as far as will this affect our new owner search from Lawrence Rivera to me is that um, I probably would say that Elway's just being attached to this at all with the sale is probably not going to be a guy who's going to be associated with the new ownership group um, as being a part of the team that buys the buys the Denver Broncos. But uh, We'll see. I don't know. Money talks. Things can change. We'll have new information tomorrow um, that will continue to come out. And we will, as anybody should, um, you know, as new information comes out, you change your mind because that's what a <laughs> intelligent human being does. Uh, Rodney Garcia coming back in. This is like the 10th time, Rodney. We love you. Keep it coming. Um, dang, that's some good names. I'll have to keep an eye out. I j- uh, out for in the draft. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Rodney. You're great. Um, Nathan coming back in too. Are there any drills, measurements in the senior bowl combine you feel are overrated in the senior bowl slash combine. Well, I will put it this way. Every single one is slightly overrated, but there are specific instances where you're looking for 
uh, differences. Number one thing is you should be looking at the tape as number one. That should be the basis of all your grades. But I like to use some of these measurement stuffs as like a tiebreaker. So if you have two guys that are on the same tier, one of them has better arm length than the other, but their tape was exactly the same. Or one of them, let's say, had bad arm length. That would change the the grade for me. Um, there are some stuff like uh, that is weird that has good correlation with success in the NFL, like 40-yard dash time for offensive linemen. Why? I mean, how often do you actually see an offensive lineman run 40 yards down the field? Don't know, but there's actually some data out there that says that it's a decent indicator of guys being good players at offensive line in the NFL uh, from some recent studies. So biggest ones, um, any ones that are overrated. I don't really think the 40 yard dash for wide receiver is overrated to a point, right? Like if you're running a four, 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 five, you're fine. If you're running a four, eight, then we got problems. So every single yeah. one matters. It's, it's, it's in the, it's in the thresholds or in the, on the margins where it can uh, be unfortunate. The ones I always look for though, the 10 yard split, explosiveness off the snap both the broad and the vertical jump that's more explosiveness uh measurements and the three cone showing that agility uh especially for those edge rushers ability to turn the corner with the three cone really really important um so we'll see um who knows about some of these ones too so you want to trust the tape yeah. that's that's why they say that's a uh, cliche for a reason yep. yeah i'd say one that they sounds like they're getting rid of the wonderlick test oh yes Good. that was one I, like you said most of these it's more about do they meet the minimum threshold? Hmm. Then did they test out of the waters on this compared to it to everybody else kind of thing? Yep. Um, you know, that, that's more of what I'm, I'm looking for. And like bench press is another that they kind of talk about that can sometimes be a little overrated. But it, that one's more about showing did the guy put in the work to get ready for this more than anything else? Like, is this a number that I expected them to get? Or is this way below... You know, some guys show up to the combine and are so out of shape and you're just like, okay, you're not a hard worker. That That's more my bigger concern there than can this play, guy play football or not? Like if they're at the combine, they can play football. <laughs> Only so many guys get invited each year. Yeah. And uh, so that's, it's just trying to tell the difference between who's going to work hard, who's not. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We got John Houston coming in here, uh, four nine nine super. Over on YouTube, thank you so much, John. Uh, is it concerning Pickett? Is it concerning Pickett didn't want to get his hands measured? I heard they were around eight inches. How only measured in at six two, smaller than expected. Um, I would say it is concerning that Pickett didn't want to get his hands measured, and I think the whole double jointed. I'm working on exercises to get it measured. Is you know that's all red flags for me. Um, that's this is weird. This is an outlier. No matter how you slice it. And I am very data driven uh, in life, right? I want to have a basis for decisions. And if I can trust math to do that, then God bless. Um, trust my head over my heart most times. Um, so that this raises a lot of red flags for me. It's like the whole, not to give myself too much emotional damage here, uh, but the whole AJ Epinesa thing when he ran poorly at the combine. And it's like, yeah, he's can still be a good player, but he has like historically, some of these n numbers are historically bad for his position. Um, that matters, right? He's probably a good player, but like, can he be great? I don't know. So the hand stuff is concerning. He had a lot of fumbles in college too, not associated with like a breed zone option kind of thing. It's like him just getting hit and losing the ball. Um, in the second yep. half of the uh, North Carolina Pittsburgh game this year, I thought Pickett looked like absolute, he looked terrible in that weather. Now the weather was bad in that second half. Most quarterbacks would look bad there, but it really looked like an infected Pickett. Um, and some people are like, oh, he plays in Pittsburgh. That's cold weather. He should be fine. How late and you guys realize like college football is over like the second week in November, like how many actually bad weather games does he have to play? Even though he is in Pittsburgh, yep. you know, it's worth asking. 
Um, especially because you know ACC is up and down the coast there, so he's getting some weight uh, games probably in Miami in November as well. Uh, f- Tallahassee, so uh, it is concerning um, for me. We'll see oh, how it plays. Sure. He had some fumbled snaps today too, so I don't. I don't know. Let's. Meh. Yeah, it's one of those. It might have just been better of get the measurement and then figure out. Okay, how do I move forward? Even if it comes in small, you know, how do I talk to teams about this instead of making it even more of a question, even more of a talking point mm-hmm. because you weren't willing to, to get measured at this point. And you keep going back to this double jointed thing and saying like, it's this really big deal when, you know, other quarterbacks have been double jointed before and it didn't show up in their measurements. And uh, you know, so some of those things, it's just like, there's too much cloud covering this whole situation mm-hmm. to, to feel comfortable with it. And, you know, I, I always thought he was kind of the one that, well, Willis is the one that could see his stock rise or fall more than probably anybody else here at the senior bowl. But Pickett's kind of that next guy with uh, the off season measurements and everything else that could really see his stock just plummet going from possibly a top 15 pick to second round, third round kind of guy. Because again, those measurements, again, we're, we're trying to meet a minimum threshold. He doesn't need to have 10 and a half inch hands, but he comes in at eight inch hands we're going to have to have some discussions of where can he play and how good can he be in the NFL? Because the ball's even a little bit bigger in the NFL than what he had in college. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it, to, to make this point, I think Kenny Pickett is a fine quarterback. And if the Broncos were picking 26 and he was there, take a swing. Yeah. That's, that's fine because that's, that's the Paxton Lynch pick, right? Like, Oh, this could hit. He's got some things to work with, but if he doesn't, you know, as long as we don't waste multiple years on the wrong quarterback, it doesn't kill us completely. You know, the Broncos didn't have a totally terrible roster because they drafted Paxton Lynch. It's committing multiple years to a guy who's not it. That kills your team. Um, so that's concerns yeah. me. I don't I don't want any of these guys at nine, um, but we'll see. Um, Broncos might Broncos country and the Broncos themselves might talk themselves into it because it's uh, getting close to closing time at the bar and there's not a lot of good lookers left, but you don't want to go home lonely uh, coming in. Do you think from Miguel, do you think every NFL team should have host the draft and the Super Bowl? Just curious. Um, I'm going to go with a big fat. No on this one because I lived in Iowa for 28 years, I guess, Iowa and Illinois. And then I moved to Seattle. God, I'm never going somewhere where it is average below freezing during the winter time by choice ever again. Like it just, why would I do that to myself? Sorry. Anybody who's living in the cold places. Um, so like imagine, yeah, imagine Boston or what is it? Uh, wherever the heck the Patriots play, um, Foxborough hosting the Super Bowl in February. What? Wisconsin green Bay. Yeah. Hosting the Super Bowl. I mean, heck even Seattle, I'm in Seattle, but like it's rains here every day yeah. in the, in winter. Like that would be miserable, a miserable experience. Um, I don't know if, if you built the dome, maybe then I could see that, but uh, I think there should be some obligations to protect the fan experience. I know football should be played in the elements, but it's still the, the Super Bowl, you know, played in the elements to get there. But once you get there, it should be an experience. The draft, I can kind of see it going either way. You need to have a big enough convention center kind of thing where it's not like we had in Chicago a few years ago where people, it's like, oh, it's 20 degrees in April and we have two people outside day three of the NFL draft because the weather is miserable. You know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's not a good experience. I wouldn't be about that. Right. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, the Super Bowl really is, it's like a, a week-long party, if not longer, for the host city. And and you want to make sure, like I said, that experience is a great one that people want to come back to the city. It's a big money maker. For, for any city that takes on that. So yeah. um I, I'm I yeah, I would not want to see that in Green Bay. That gives 
too much of an advantage one way or the other for a team. You never know what kind of weather you'd be getting. Tomorrow's supposed to be negative 20 wind chill where I'm at. And I would not want to be going to a game like the Super Bowl in that kind of weather. Uh, but we got Rodney coming back in again. Thank you, Rodney. Really excited to see KJ Hamler back next season, healthy and ready to go. He has that speed to hit the seam for a deep ball pass. Can't wait. I miss it too. I mean, you saw this offense kind of fall off a cliff once KJ Hamler went out of the the, the game. And, and it wasn't all just because KJ Hamler is missing, but but when teams have to worry about that kind of threat, even when you don't throw that, but maybe two or three times a game, you still got to respect it. You still got to keep that safety back. You know, the, the Broncos with their run game, they wanted light boxes, but teams were able to load up because there just wasn't that deep threat attack to really challenge them on a regular basis. Uh, we will see how quickly KJ Handler comes back. Here's the problem is it was, it was an ACL and other things plus. Yeah. So we don't know what those other things for sure were. And, and a guy for speed, like speed comes back last. You can get stability in your leg, but you have to rebuild up all of that athleticism that you've lost because you've not been able to run on that leg with your full ability. You've not been able to go through your full training like you did before. And, and so I, I think he's going to be more of a second half of the season impact kind of guy. I think those first eight weeks, if you can get anything out of him in the first eight weeks, you feel pretty good about it. Yeah. Yeah. He, he tore up his knee real bad. Um, I'm hoping that he can come back and be healthy because the Broncos need speed. Um, it's at a premium in the NFL. Uh, even though Jamison Williams just tore his ACL, it sounds like it was just his ACL on a clean tear. Um, so we'll see how back he can get, uh, how quickly he can come back. Um, it's also his first one compared to Hamler's second on that knee, but you need speed in the NFL. It's not just about scoring points. It is about just scoring points, but like you have to find means to get there. One of the best ways to do that is to create explosive pass plays. And the best way to do that is to have explosive athletes on the perimeter. Um, I guess that's the second best way. The best way to do that is to have an elite quarterback. I digress. Uh, but um, <laughs> you want to have uh, KJ Hamler out there just to give you a variety of weapons as well. Um, and I don't want to be a correlation as causation. Correlation equals causation. But I think you're right. The Broncos offense did really fall off after KJ Hamler got hurt. Was it the Baltimore game even like week four? I think it was. Wow. So really, there's a stark dichotomy of a Broncos pre and post KJ Hamler injury as far as offensive output. It's not because the Broncos played terrible defenses those weeks. And uh, uh, Teddy... Bridgewater was healthy, uh, pre-concussion and post-concussion. I digress. Uh, hopefully we get KJ Hamler back out there. Fun player. Only guy the Broncos have that's like him, too. Uh, they had Deontay Spencer, but, like, he just doesn't have it as far as a receiver. Fun. I wouldn't even say a fine specialist. I don't want to completely bury the guy, but uh, hopefully the Broncos can upgrade the kicking and punting returning position next season. Uh, Travis Tarbox coming in. Evening, fellas. Good evening to you, Travis. Hope you're doing well. Uh, not to bring up a touchy subject too late, <laughs> but um, that's, I just, I just think it's wrong. Uh, what Fl Brian Flores is doing, just my opinion, Denver Broncos for life. You can have that opinion. I am a scientist at heart. So I am very much a, okay, this is a hypothesis testing time and we are gathering data. It's the observation period. And uh, we're going to gather more information as it goes along. Um, trying not to rush into any judgments. Uh, the only thing that does sound real reasonable to me is Elway with the drinking stuff. Um, who knows if that's impacting him on the job, but there's just like priors to that is saying, okay, well, that's plausible. The other stuff, I don't know. Broncos did hire an African-American coach beforehand. That's, you know, kind of like, Oh, I, the one person saying something terrible is like, well, I have a, 
African-American friend. It's like, well, you still said something terrible. So who, who knows in that regard? But um, we'll see how it plays out. Again, just asking for patience on that one. And hopefully the truth comes out. Uh, Rodney Garcia, get an offensive line stud in the draft for right tackle. Who, Carl, um, any thoughts on any right tackles that you might Broncos might be getting at nine? Um, I mean, it, it's every team needs offensive tackle help. You look at especially the top 10 teams that you could go and say, yes, this team needs this. Um, so it's, it's tough to see that a great one is going to fall to the Broncos that you're really going to feel great at, at 10, but you might have to overdraft the position like the Broncos did with Garrett Bowles. I don't think he was the 20th best player in that draft, but they needed a left tackle so bad they were willing to overdraft the position. Um, so you might be looking at like a Charles Cross, and I think he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But the other part of it is left tackle, right tackle. You know, are, are you getting a guy that's a, a true right tackle for the position? Um, when Charles Cross played left tackle, I I, I don't know. And, and like I said, Aquanu is another one. But I've seen him going number one overall in some mock drafts lately. Yeah, I would love to have him there at nine. But uh, if that doesn't happen, you know, it just and, and I still don't know if the Broncos are going to have pick nine. You know, we'll it, it'd be nice if they do, but it, it'd also be nice if they don't, because that means something else great happened for them. And uh, so it's just, we'll, we'll see what they do at that right tackle position. I think if they go trade that pick away, I think they're probably looking to free agency to fill that right tackle spot and just hope that with the veteran quarterback in a cheap right tackle spot, they can still make that work. You know, the quarterback can cover up some of that weakness. They have to go but, into the uh, draft regardless with right tackle. Um, to get uh, prior to the draft, um, be, whether that be Bobby Massey coming back or uh, former somebody the Packers are probably moving on from Billy Turner um, did pretty well at right tackle for the Broncos in an abbreviated stint has done that well there in Green Bay. And uh, it sounds like he's going to be a cap casualty there. So maybe you could bring Billy Turner back uh, to Denver familiarity here, familiar with Hackett. You have a need and also Billy Turner as a versatile piece. If you do end up getting a rookie right tackle is a good one to have. Um, so Travis coming in, any of these guys standing out so far, the senior bowl practices, we'll get Scott in here in a bit. Um, also had a question from, uh, I think it was John Houston saying, could, uh, Sam Howell be a better version of Baker Mayfield? I think he could be. Um, I say the path to walk that is, I mean, I guess it really depends. I'm not a super big fan of Baker Mayfield either. So it's like, I guess he could be better than Baker Mayfield. Cause I don't think Baker Mayfield is that great. I will say that Sam Howell has. A, I would think he has a better arm than Baker Mayfield slightly. Um, I could be off on that one. I think they're close, but I think Sam Howell can actually put a little bit more power on it. I think Baker Mayfield sees the field better. Um, and I think he's a little bit more accurate play-by-play uh, play than Howell. But Howell is 21, where Baker came into the league two years older. So who knows what he turns into. I'm excited to see what he can do uh, the rest of this week. But it doesn't sound like he really stood out uh, today. I got a little nervous watching him uh, just in games this year where because he didn't trust his playmakers, he just, he developed a lot of bad habits. His eyes dropped real quick. He'd take off running sometimes before he ever needed to. Do you think that, and, not to cut you off, I mean, not to cut you off. He's a better that runner. Scheme? That's, I wonder if that scheme, because Phil Luongo, I just have a vendetta against Phil Luongo. I hate the North Carolina <laughs> offensive coordinator. But like a lot of their run was like deep shot or tuck and run. I almost wonder if the dropping the eyes and running it was a part of what he was supposed to do. I think on some plays, 
Yeah. I think there's others that you could tell, like, at least in my opinion, you could tell like he was supposed to stay in there, kind of go through yeah. a little bit more. And, and he just was that if that first read wasn't open, it's I'm taking off. You know, I trust my legs better than I do trying to get to this playmaker or trying to. And he didn't do that as much the year before when he I think he trusted his playmakers a lot more. So I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of, of belief that he could be better at it. You know, once he gets to the NFL and Broncos have plenty of weapons for him so he can trust them. And I think he would be a good fit with Hackett's system where they really want to get to the play action. They want to get the quarterback on the move. They want to um, give him some easy reads with getting that first receiver open. I think he could be a really good fit for the Broncos. It's just a matter of he does have some bad habits. He makes some really bad decisions at times and he tries to play hero ball way too often. You know, we saw it with Drew Locke. And I hated it where there's just plays like just either take the sack, throw it away. Don't throw into triple coverage. Oh no, we're going to triple coverage. And uh, first uh, down you know, and, I, and goal to go God, in the 20 yard line. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It's uh, the hero. It, it reminds me. Right. It reminds me of uh, there, there's a, a Twitter video going around of people saying um, people keep talking about how Tua can't keep up with Mahomes, and the throw that they show of Tua is him throwing into triple coverage. Yep. And it's like, and it became a touchdown, but it's like that, that was not a good process. <laughs> yes. The results were great, but the process was, was a horrible decision. That's not the play that you show to show that he can keep up with Mahomes. But uh, I've got Nathan coming in here saying is Falele, <laughs> uh, a reach at nine for right tackle. Yes. I would say absolutely. Uh, he is a freak um, as far as his size goes. Uh, but I don't know. Like I could see him sneaking into the round one. And if he like came out today and was amazing, uh, that'd be one thing. But I saw a few reps with him against my Jay Sanders. Get it. It's just day one, but like flattening him. I think there was a rep that he actually got Flayle on the ground. Um, tall man, you know, center of gravity is going to be a little taller uh, on him too. So that makes it harder. But uh, at nine, that's a bit of a reach. I could see him sneak into the back of round one, just because that's this class and the demand at the tackle position. Uh, Trevor Penning's another, another name that sticks out there. That could be that way. But uh We'll get to Scott here in about five minutes or so. Um, if he's comfortable coming on, talking a little bit of uh, stuff, he looks like he's uh, falling asleep back there. It's uh, he, I know he's been busy. He's looking. If anybody can find the numbers for the roster of the Senior Bowl too, I, I sent out an ask. But if anybody can find that, please send it my way, and I can help Scott out. Um, do we have any more uh, super chats in here that we want to get to before we bring in Scott? No. All right. Well, Scott, I'm gonna I'm gonna click you in, Scott, if that's okay. Oh, we have Seth Harmon coming in five uh, four ninety nine. Do you guys think the Broncos sent an offer to Teddy for another year? That is last case scenario. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Teddy wants to come back. Also, I think he's been, that's just me speaking for him, but I think, I mean, he shut up. He deleted his social media after interacting with Bronco fans for a bit because it was getting a little dicey (laughs) from some of y'all, not you guys in the chat, but just, you know, y'all's y'all kind of situation. So um, I don't think Teddy's going to be back. I also don't think the Broncos are going to want to pay Teddy uh, what another team would probably pay him right. You've already seen him here. You've had the Teddy experience. You kind of get what he is. Um, somebody else that's not as familiar with him. be like, Oh, we can still get, you know, X, Y, Z out of him because he's a former first round pick. The Broncos did this. Imagine how, what we could get out of him. You know, that classic, classic, uh, trap. Uh, so I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, seeing Teddy here for another year. If it does happen, a lot of things went wrong <laughs> leading up to it. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> It'd probably be option about, G or H for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. And like I said, if something's gone wrong, 
you know, I'd say they'd probably turn towards Drew Locke before they would Teddy again. In this, in this scenario, uh, just, I mean, just because of cost here. Uh, yeah. of what you have to pay him, kind of thing. But uh, we've got Rodney coming in again. Thank you, Rodney. I really liked when the Broncos ran the two tight end set, extra bodies to open lanes for the run game. Go Pookie. Go Pookie. Um, Jetty Splash coming in. $2. How does one measure your hands? Uh, pinky to thumb. Right? That's just yep. boop, right across. Yep. So, so you got to get that got to get that spread out as far as you can. And Yep. And uh, yeah. the rumors are, rumors, that uh, Pickett, the hands measured eight and an eighth inch it's eight and an eighth or eight and a quarter either way it's the smallest hand ever recorded uh there's no been there's never been a hand that's been recorded smaller than that in the history of the nfl combine for the quarterback position which is concerning uh to say the least dating back to 1999 the data that i look poured over and uh, there's only been one quarterback recorded with equivalent hand size and i think that was the princeton quarterback a few years ago i want to say his name is kevin dotson it's uh, that's for some reason in my head, but uh, I, either way um, concerning, that's how you measure it. Is it an issue? I don't know. Go play an arrowhead in uh, 10 degree weather in snow. And uh, we'll find out, I guess. All right. We got uh, Isaias. Did I say that right? Yes. Okay. We got, it says, uh, thank you for the, for the stars. Isaias. Uh, imagine putting a team together of all the dysfunctional players in NFL history. They'd win a few games. Who are your favorites, um, MHH? That's a great question. So, I mean, Aqib Tlaib has to be up there, you know, because he was, I I don't know. You never knew what Aqib Tlaib was going to do. I I still remember the whole, like, him shooting his own foot. That Uh, was a whole weird thing. And how that all ended up, of course, the snatching of the chain. Uh, Did you ever watch his videos that he did of, talking of when he yeah 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 (laughs) that was one of my favorites if you ever get a chance go watch look it up on youtube keep to leave pool table you'll be able to find it but uh you know he he was one of those dysfunctional guys that you just never knew Uh, brandon marshall is another favorite of mine i knew he i mean he battled a lot of mental health issues but still great player i still remember one play that he had for the broncos where he made like eight guys miss on one single play and I just, I can't remember another receiver. And it wasn't like he was out running them. It was actually like they missed the tackle. Like they, they touched him. They couldn't get him down. And I just, I, I wish he could have got everything under control early in his career uh, with his mental health. Cause I think he could have turned into one of the best wide receivers in NFL history. Yep. Yeah, no, it's uh I got to throw Bill Romanowski out there as far as uh, dysfunctional because he's kind of a psychopath, but uh, I enjoyed his game growing up. I thought he was a lot of fun. Um, big personality. Uh, Claude Riley coming in. Go Broncos. Love the positivity, Claude. Uh, hope you're doing well. And thank you so much for the support. Isaiah's coming back in uh, with more support. Thank you so much, Isaiah. Uh, we appreciate you. I think there might have been a Carson Strong super as well somewhere on there, but we're going to get to some Carson Strong talk here in a bit. Um, Josh coming in saying QB class, not as bad as people say group think right now. Um, there's always nuance to this. I would say the quarterback class is not as bad as people say is totally dependent on what you think good or bad is. Uh, if there's a class with what do you, what would you think about a class that's coming into the league with a Kirk cousins and five Andy Dalton's, you know, like our uh, Kirk cousins, Jalen hurts and four Andy Dalton's, you know, that is that a good class? I mean, compared to the 
history of the league coming in. That's good quantity of borderline starters. Um, but I don't see anybody that's an obvious prospect that would grade as a future franchise quarterback. Tom Brady wasn't graded that way. Russell Wilson wasn't graded that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm with et cetera, you. Et cetera, but yeah, I, I just think a lot of people have kind of been saying, oh, this is the 2013 class. I, I think they're better than that. But think, yeah. it's still it's still a class that just like you said, you, you don't see anybody that has that top end ability of, like I said earlier, of can they go throw for throw with Patrick Mahomes if they reach their full potential of what you think they could be. Malik Willis, maybe because of his incredible athleticism, but he's got the farthest to go just in his mental side of the game, I think, of, of the top guys. And and so a lot of questions there for them. Every one of these guys just have so many more questions than what you usually have in the past. And uh, the, there's games where you like, there's throws that you like, but there's just so much bad out there as well. You know, like Matt Corral is supposed to be like the top guy in this draft class. He has a couple games in college of throwing like six interceptions. Against Arkansas. It didn't just happen once. It happened a couple times to the guy. Yeah. And you're just going – you don't usually see that for your top guys. Like people were ripping on Justin Fields for that Indiana game, you know, the year before he was drafted and going, Oh my gosh, he threw two interceptions and, and I'm going, and people are wanting to take Matt Corral top 10 and they're getting after Justin Fields for having one bad half of football there. And yeah. uh, so again, it's just, I don't mind these guys. It's just none of them make me excited and say, Broncos, please trade up and go get this guy. And most yeah. of them are making me say, please don't take this guy at nine. Even most of them are saying, please don't take them before like pick 25. <laughs> and and that's just not where you want to be when you're looking for a franchise quarterback. Desperation, Carl, desperation. Travis coming in. I hope we don't bring Teddy back. Honestly, it would just be nice to have a good quarterback. Of course, we want a true long-term answer at quarterback. Just tired of winning, trying to win with Band-Aids. Broncos fans, uh, it's unfortunate, but uh, this is the reality of most teams in the NFL, right? Especially what we're seeing right now. If you don't have one of the top eight quarterbacks in the league, good luck and try again next year. Um, and that's something that we've been screaming on here. You know, if you don't know that you have one of those guys, you should probably be looking and trying to upgrade the position. But uh, alas, we find ourselves where we thought we were at least the Broncos team around them though, around the quarterback position is pretty solid. You have a lot of resources to improve that team and give yourself a chance to go in and maybe make, bring in a Matt Stafford kind of trade. If, if that presents itself, um, then you can go in on next season, but uh, it's rough and we all want to find that quarterback. And until you have him or an all time historic defense, probably not going to go very far. And that's the thing that like, people are like, Oh, why, why don't you just try to 2015 defense is like, it's hard to get a franchise quarterback. It's even harder to have one of the best single defenses of all time in the history of the game. You know, that's like probably right. you need to look at our probabilities here. Quarterbacks, a little franchise quarterback, hard to find harder to field the best all time defense. Yep. All right. We got John Houston coming in here saying Carson strong arm size, great stats. Why no talk uh, one? Cause we're going to talk to Scott here pretty soon. And, and I'm sure he's going to talk about Carson strong and the other quarterbacks and what they showed here today. Uh, I, I like Carson Strong. I really do. Uh, he, he's going to be in my top three quarterbacks for this this upcoming draft. Yeah, top three. I said it. And uh, there, there's a lot of good tape. He's got a really good arm for the NFL. Uh, he's worked within kind of a pro system there with Nevada. I mean, it's not quite pro, but like he's making pro throws into tight windows on some of his plays. Uh, he's got a great deep ball that you love to see. And I know... Hackett talked about that of wanting to, to really push the ball down the field. 
Broncos haven't been able to do that, especially with Teddy. So th- there's a lot to like there. I'm not sure if he's the perfect fit for Hackett because Hackett does like to move the pocket, or at least what they did in Green Bay. They like to move the pocket. They like to do a lot of play action. They like to get their quarterback on the move. And Carson Strong, not the greatest thrower on the move. I mean, part of that is because he does need surgery. Um, He's playing kind of on a bum knee Um, that's going to have to have something on it eventually. Kind of running out, there. like some of the tape of him at Nevada looked like he was like shot in the leg or something. You know, just not <laughs> like that. You're really favoring that leg, buddy. It's it's an issue. Um, But he does have a very good arm. I would say from what, I had a hot, I don't think it was a hot take actually, but I was, I'm in a group chat and I said like Malik Willis has the best natural arm talent of any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And I got a bunch of pushback saying, Oh, how, how could you not say it's Carson strong? I think it's definitely Malik Willis um, that has the strongest arm. Carson uh, strong does have a fine arm. It sounds like it was better today than Pickett and Ritter, which is concerning for Ritter given the frame that he has and whatnot. But uh, I digress a uh, big thing with Carson strong that I thought was interesting. There was an interview done by Jordan Palmer, brother of Carson Palmer, that said that Carson Strong never really had great mechanical, biomechanical, uh, technical coaching for the quarterback position, and that uh, Jordan Palmer believes that he still has a good amount of velocity still to unlock by improving his mechanics. Um, So we'll see if that moves along. Biggest reason Strong's not up there is it's because of the knee. Um, There's some talk that he's going to have to have a a cadaver uh, ligament placed in his knee, which could then be a full year out of the league after that. Sometimes it doesn't take. Um, so that's a, that's a concern. It's, it's the knee. That is the big concern from him. Also, the other yep. thing is he's by far the worst athlete of this group. And uh, we just heard Mike Tomlin talk about it. Uh, the end of season press conference for the Steelers saying like mobility is a must have at the quarterback position going forward in today's NFL. If I can pick my guy shots at Ben Roethlisberger, you be the judge. Um, but, uh, it's, he does not, um, Carson Strong does not fit that mold. Uh, Mark from Georgia. Yep. What's up guys. How y'all been? Nick moved the sticks candle. I love it. And uh, Professor Dumbler, Nick moved the Ooh. sticks candle. Um, I like it. We're 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 in on that. Uh, appreciate you so much, like, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rodney coming in saying one linebacker I miss is Todd Davis. What's your guys' opinion of him? A fine linebacker. Um, one of the reasons I have a key core belief that uh, you don't have to spend big to find competency at linebacker. Um, you can find guys off other teams' practice squads like Todd Davis. Um, he's fine. Uh, he had a good career here. And uh, I liked what he's doing now in the Broncos media side of things. I'm doing some interviews and whatnot. So uh, good guy. Um, We also have Travis Tarbox coming in saying Brandon Marshall was definitely a stud. Could be talking about multiple Brandon Marshalls here. Speaking of linebackers. Uh, Plus (laughs) he learned from Rod Smith, the wide receiver. He was a stud. You're talking about the disgruntled players, Brandon Marshall up there um, for sure. He got his things figured out though. So that's a, that's good to see Um, Chase Wellner. Would you guys run a live mock in the future? We definitely will. Um, Want to talk to Scott about it, but maybe doing a mock draft Mondays in the morning on those Monday shows before the draft or something like that, doing the top 10. But we'll definitely be doing some mocks in the future. Last year, I only did one official mock draft myself, um, which was fun because sometimes they kind of oversaturate the market. But uh, we'll definitely be doing some. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. We, <coughs> the more draft stuff that we can do, the more that you guys want us to do, the happier we're going to be. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. We, I mean, that's what, that's what brought Nick and I together was the draft. So, and our love of St. Louis Cardinals and Broncos. And there's a lot of things that Nick and I have in common, but uh, the draft is one of the biggest. And so we'd love to do a a live mock draft on here sometime. I know we've done like alternating picks before. Uh, I know you and Scott did that recently and, uh, but we could do a full Broncos mock draft sometime. We'll, we'll just do that as we get closer to the draft. Yeah. We got to get through senior bowl, get through free agency, some of those things. Then when it becomes full on 
everything about the draft. That's when we'll get into it for you guys. But we got Steve coming in here with stars. Thank you so much, Steve. Can't tell what that picture is. It's a little tiny for me, but it's a, uh, looks like a but, pet. Uh, looks yeah, like a dog. Steve, dog. Okay, I, I didn't. I thought squirrel for a second, but uh. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up now because I don't insult. If you called my dog a squirrel, I'd be very upset. He would be upset too. Um, okay, I'm sorry, Steve. I insulted you. No, it's okay. Let's get Scott on here because I'm dying to hear what he has to say. Because uh, some of the Senior Bowl stuff you have uh, via clips on Twitter and Facebook and whatnot, but seeing somebody live uh, is there's no there's no replacing it. So Scott, I'm gonna click you on in here. Um, boom, there he is. Welcome in, Scott. Rocking wearing the uh, Chelsea FC hat and the Adidas stripes. How you doing, Scott? How is things down in Mobile? I'm doing okay. Uh, things are good. It uh, they started about two hours late today, which was kind of annoying. Sitting, uh, you know, on a on a hard stadium bench for an extra two hours. So I feel like I'm a little behind where I'd like to be for the show uh, going into the day. Because normally I like to watch all the video I shot, and I only watched the first practice twice. So um, I uh, I need to get through and see the the American or the, it's American and national. Really, it's the South against the world is uh with some of the east coast virginia thrown in so it's like dixie against everybody else when it comes to uh when it comes to how these teams are split up so uh at a good time good time um you know they go to there's actually even some interesting special teams with uh with the georgia kicker punting it with the wind at his back and he hit 180 yards so it was uh it was a good day good day out there well good i think the big thing that everybody is dying to know quarterbacks today uh, what did you see? Obviously, we're already br- brushing up against an hour because there's so much news today, but um, you were there live. Let's go to the first practice. I think that's the biggest one. So that is three of the top five guys there. Kenny Pickett, uh, Carson Strong, and Desmond Ritter. Yeah, I think they broke them up by height, not geography this time. So if you were 6'3 and over, you went to this team. If you were under 6'1, you went over to this other team. No, uh, just kidding. <laughs> um, there was times when each one of those quarterbacks made me have a, whoa, that was nice type of throw. Um, And I actually have a couple of plays in here I want to show you. So I'm going to bring these up. And uh, we'll come back on this here. We'll start off. And the first play here is, this is Kenny Pickett to Braylon Sanders. Braylon had a good day. He hit some of the Ole Miss teammates were were, uh, split up today. So he had a teammate on the other team today. This was a nice throw. Little nice pitch and catch uses his body well there to shield off and nice over the shoulder. The second one here is teammate to teammate, so that's Carson Strong, and he's got his teammate Romeo. I want to say Dubs, but it's it's D O U B S. Yeah, Dubs, Dubs, Romeo. You know, I said Romeo. Dubs. You know, he's got. I'm messing up both his names. Uh, what I do know is he's six foot six and he's a unit. Um, but you watch. You know, nice throw from Carson to a teammate. And you can see how big he is. And this one is Carson Strong to Christian Watson from North Dakota State. And you see how he stops and comes back for it. A little back shoulder throw. And Carson appreciates his, his receiver for making that one. That was that was a nice mm-hmm. one. And then uh, the running backs, it's it's tough here. But Arizona State's Rashad White. Uh, now, 40 would have crushed him in a real game, but, you yeah. know, he's, he's got some wheels and that wasn't he, he had several nice runs. So the running backs, I thought he really stood out the most. And I'm just starting to get into the line play a little bit because I can go through the skill guys uh, really quick. When I start when they start going uh, 11 v 11, 9 v 7, it takes me three minutes to watch each play <laughs> because I'm watching this one. I'm like, OK, who got in? 
I watch this one. All right, who would the guard do? Would the center do? Would the tackle do? So that that slows me down a little bit. Uh, but it's it's much more thorough, and I'm not quite there on uh, on the trenches yet. But as far as quarterbacks go, I think the single most impressive thing I saw was was Malik Willis throwing into the wind. Hmm. So like I mentioned the wind with the punters, the, there was a really strong wind, and when they flipped the, the quarterbacks and uh, for the one on ones, there was really only one of the quarterbacks could spin that ball through the wind on the line, and, and that was Malik Willis. However. When they went to 97, 77, 11, they all struggled. And, and that's there's some of that to be expected. It's really hard to play to play offense. You know, I mentioned that before. If you so much as switch out a center, if you if you've ever been to an all-star practice, something like this, as soon as they switch out the center, it's, it takes them five minutes to get the center, the quarterback center snap right. Yep. So it's hard to play offense. So I'm I'm very interested to see. Um, day two, day three. And one thing I'll caution with everybody is the hot takes. Okay. They're in, they're in shoulder pads and helmets today. Uh, I watched the quarterbacks on day one to get an idea for arm strength and, and release and that type of thing. I don't watch the lines as much because they're just in shells. Um, I'll, I'll move on to the trenches the next two days when they go full pads. Awesome. Well, uh, said a couple things there that I have some questions on. Um, sorry to cut you off, Carl. Carl's just enjoying himself. Hey, how are you doing, Carl? Down there below me. <laughs> I'm good. I'm, I'm just love listening to it. I, yeah. You know, I, I miss going to the senior bowl and it's, it is kind of a neat experience to go watch them up close and get to go see those kind of things. And, and like I said, there, there's, you got to know how, how to watch and what you're actually watching. And yeah. like I said, just because a guy makes a great throw doesn't mean they're going to be a great prospect by any means. Um, and especially when they're, they're in shells, but, uh, but I appreciate you, you being down there, being the boots on the ground for us and everything. And, um, it just, uh, there's a couple great questions here, but I'll let Nick, you had a question uh, and then I'll get to those. Yeah. You talked about the ball spilling, uh, spinning from Willis. I saw a tweet today that the five best throws all came from Malik Willis today, but also the five worst throws probably came from Malik Willis as well. So kind of writing that, uh, that hot take, can you agree with, uh, that take at all? Is that something? I, I wouldn't say the best five. Um, because I, I think that, that, uh, the three, each of the three quarterbacks in the first day all had good throws. They, I mean, you, you just saw a couple of them from Kenny and Desmond threw a couple in there too that were okay. But again, throwing into the wind, Malik Willis had the, for sure, the, that's what I'm looking for. That's the arm I'm looking for out here. We, uh, you know, we're talking about Carson Strong. He's got the arm. Does he? Does he? I'm not sure that he does. Not at that level. Not at the. Not at a first round level. Uh, mm. What I didn't see though was any problem with his knee. So when you said that he was playing and he still needs surgery, that surprised me because I actually shot a video of him on a bootleg where he turned it up and ran and he's running freely, which was very good to see. What I didn't see though was the zip on his passes that I wanted to see uh, with that arm strength. From if I'm ranking arm strength, there was a clear six out of everybody there, a clear six. Bailey Zapp, uh, hot take, can't can't throw at that level. Just Brett Rippin? Is he Brett Rippin? Because that's my been my comp. It's like, sorry, bud, you're smart and you can make some fun throws in college, but NFL throws, you're not hitting those windows. Watching him, I'm thinking you don't, and I'm watching him go through his reads. He's going through his reads quicker than anybody. I'm like, smart. this is an offensive coordinator. He's a future head yep. football coach in the NFL. Yep. This is a guy who gets the game. You don't throw for 6,000 yards if you can't throw. And you certainly don't throw for 6,000 yards unless you 
have a good idea what the offense is supposed to be. I mean, he, he threw for a thousand yards more than, than the next closest guy on one less game. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't have the arm. He was so when we were talking, if you're talking about the five worst throws, unfortunately, they probably all belong to Bailey Zap because he was skipping. They were Ugh. they were well short. And I, I felt I felt bad for him. Last year, and talking about quarterbacks, I think this group of quarterbacks is better than we we had last year. Um, mm-hmm. Mac Jones is probably better than all of them uh, as far as the consistency. Can, can we add the real quick? You mean quarterbacks at the Senior Bowl last year? Senior Bowl at the Senior Bowl. But somebody might yeah. take that as a talk about a hot take. Um, okay. No, no, no. Sorry. At the Senior Bowl, you had Sam Ellinger and Ian Cook, and 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 then you had two guys last year that didn't belong. You're like, okay, these guys shouldn't be drafted at all in Felipe Franks and Jamie Newman. Like they might be nice big athletes, but they can't throw. Yeah. And um I, I don't I don't see that here. Again, this this reminds me back, you mentioned Andy Dalton. I was here when Andy Dalton was here. And there were four guys like that who are like, all right, I don't see a whole lot of hill of beans worth separating these guys. And I think Andy went late first, early second, early somewhere second. in that range. AJ Green, Andy Dalton paired draft that 2000 yeah and that's kind of where the the group of guys it was all just i think kellen moore might have been in that group actually now that i think about it i was trying to think of who all was there now that just just clicked in my memory um so again there there isn't anybody here when you talk about who has the most to lose i think kenny pickett has the most to lose Hmm. there isn't anybody in here i'm I'm more convinced than ever that i don't want a quarterback in the top 10 um as far as scary you know who if kenny pickett can go six you know i see mocks to six at, at, at carolina if, if you're not a carolina if you're a carolina panthers fan you're a little concerned that's what you want if you're drafting behind carolina yes mm-hmm. take kenny pickett please leave one of those other guys for me so yeah. there's a lot to unpack here um we can get into it so i'll, I'll stop monologuing for a second and you can just uh you can ask some some follow-ups here I, I got to know, you talked about Malik Willis's arm cutting through wind and looking clearly different than everybody else's there. Uh, the other quarterbacks had some good throws, but just as far as the pure arm talent, that's been one of the things that on tape, it looked like he had a good arm and could cut through wind and play through some elements. And it was something that a lot of people talked about as one of his better traits. And I'm talking about Sam Howell. Did Sam Howell's arm pop at all? Or is he just kind of, you know, bigger, kind of thicker guy, shorter, but maybe not truly an elite arm. Sam Howell didn't throw like Malik did, um, and he, he was very similar to Malik. You can see the athleticism there. I mean, he, I think you mentioned uh, yesterday or this morning. I get my days mixed up already, Nick. It may have been this morning. He's built like a running back. You know, he's just a shade over six foot, 220 pounds. Um, good arm. Don't get me wrong. Good arm. Like I said, the, the arm talent here is better than we had last year at the Senior Bowl. Considerably. Kyle Trask. Considerably, <laughs> considerably better than what we had last year. So, um and it was, it was super windy today. And what I saw with Malik was if he had to go through reads. So as soon as he went, when he w- he was fantastic in one V ones. Okay. I get to drop back. I get to set my foot. I get to make my throw. He was fantastic. If I go, if as soon as he had to then go through reads, reset his feet to make a third read throw, his accuracy was way off. Um, and that was that was the bit of the concern. But again, nobody really hit those that well. The only one that was on point was probably Bailey's app, but he was skipping them there. You know, that's nice if you're throwing the ball to second base to throw a guy out stealing, but that, that doesn't do you much good. Um, that doesn't do you a whole lot of good, uh, you know, quarterback. John coming in says, have Kennedy rate the arm strength one to six, please. One was Malik. 
Six was Bailey Zapp. After that, it starts getting real close. I might go Sam Howell, two. I might go Kenny Pickett, three. And then three, four, and five are all right there. The three guys that are the three guys that are on uh, the the everyone else team, the national team, they're all pretty close. Um, Pickett and Ritter and Strong are very similar. There, there's not a lot to separate those guys just yet. Yeah, interesting, interesting. That also surprises me to have Kenny Pickett with better arm talent in your eyes Wasn't based bad. on first mm-hmm. viewing um, over uh, Carson Strong, who a lot of people have talked about having a a plus arm. Um, so it was okay again, and 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 he may have. It, it, he may not have juiced up on one yet too. Yeah. You know, he may have more natural arm talent, so he's just relaxed. Uh, he's more relaxed throwing the ball. And and when I get to see more throws, um, because the, the, the national team did a lot more underneath stuff today, um, as opposed to the American squad where they got to throw long balls into the wind. I got to see their arm talent a little bit better. Um, so again, it was, all it did was confirm to me that I don't want a quarterback in the top 10, <laughs> but it'd be great to get one of these guys in the second, you know, there's yes. no reason why if you, if you get, you can get one of these guys again, you know, Nick, you say all the time, I put them in tears and I want the sixth guy of this bunch uh, putting Matt Corral in there. Cause you just, you just took Bailey's app and just put a, 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 a strike through his name on your board. Um, but Matt Corral being the six one and you see which one is, you know, maybe I've got, two or three available at the bottom of the second or at the top of the third. Now I'm real interested for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I wanted to get to Clayton had a couple great questions here for you. Uh, Scott, who stood out the most and who disappointed you the most today? You know, I, I think uh, the Tennessee wide receiver, is it Velas Velas Jones? Yeah. Was fantastic today. Interesting. He was okay. really, really good. Um, the 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 wide receiver on the Nash on the American team from Ole Miss that was not Braylon Sanders. So Dontario Drummond. Drummond, he yes. had a he had a tough day. He he had a tough day. I bet I counted as many drops from him as everyone else combined. Wow. Because there's they're running on air most of the time. A lot of it was we're teaching these guys our patterns. There's a little bit of one-on-ones just to get their juices flowing and have some fun at practice um, and give something for the media to show up for and talk about. But <laughs> a lot of it's throwing on air. And 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 Ontario Drummond really, really struggled today. Uh, I want to kind of go back through some of the some of the players that we talked about. Falele, is he a reach at nine? Yes, he is. Uh, I'm not positive he's a tackle at all, actually. Wow. Um, watching him move laterally, he's got enough size that he can probably get away with it, but his, his lateral movement, when we get to pro days and combines, and I'll take two questions here at once, um, his, his shuttle, I think is going to be substandard because his lateral movement to me looked like it struggled a little bit. So he's massive. Don't get me wrong. He's, he is absolutely huge and he's really strong. But he's going to have trouble dealing with left defensive ends that can move. Um, and yes, the 40-yard dash is incredibly overrated. Y'all have heard me say before, um, if you take this statement out of context, I'll sound like an idiot. But you know that, that's what I say speed. The 40-yard dash is overrated. If I scratch the 40-yard dash out 
and just use the shuttle and, and uh, three cone, I could tell you who the, the best athletes are. Um, I can get these tricked up, you know, North Atlanta Metro kids that have been going to uh, professional trainers since they were 12 years old. And you can shave three tenths of a second off your 40 time with technique. You can't fake the three cone vertical jump L cone. Uh, the L cone is the same as the three cone and shuttle. Um, and most of the time people don't train for that. So it's pure athleticism. So when I'm going to look at the L cone on, uh, on Philele, that's going to tell me a lot. It's going to confirm, I think what I've already seen. And the reason why the 40 works on the big guys is because they are athletic enough to not run out of steam after 30 yards. It means they're, they're decent athletes. <laughs> yeah. They're not, they're yeah. not complete. Uh, they're not, they're not, com- they're not too much out of shape. But speaking of offensive linemen, wait till you see Matt Valetsko out of North Dakota state, just a shade over six, six and a lean three ten, And he could play at three forty without breaking a sweat. And he he looked he looked really really good today. So if we're looking for our sleepers, see I hate saying sleepers because I don't know where everybody's ranked. It's like yeah, Scott so and so had him going 15 overall. A nice sleeper pick. Oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> you know North Dakota State. You know he's but again he's six six and change, 310 pounds and lean. And when he was moving guys, because I forgot the color of the helmets, Nick. So I was like, oh that must be the uh, the kid from Northern Iowa. And I was like, no, that's a purple helmet. Um, but I, I took a I took North a look Dakota, at, right? North Dakota, not yeah. North Dakota State. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, the, the receiver was from North Dakota State, and Matt Malesko was from North Dakota. Yes. Okay. Christian Watson was NDSU, I believe, who okay. had a had a nice day today. So, um, but Matt Malesko, big green helmet. Keep an eye on him as a as a as a tackle prospect. I'd take him over Jalen Mayfield right now. <laughs> wow uh that's interesting information good to hear about some of these names i'm excited to hear what you have to say more about the trench play going forward um before we get on out of here though because i know you got probably more work to do tape to watch and you got another full day tomorrow um we heard a lot about quarterbacks we heard a lot about wide receivers some running back talk to defensive backs you got to give me my dbs i didn't hear any like how did they do in one-on-ones or i know it's early on but you kind of can figure out at least who can't hang from some of these drills early on, at least in my opinion. Did anybody right, stand you know, out? Here, here's what you're going to have to do for me because I haven't had time. Okay. I've gone through. Put you on the spot. <laughs> no, I've gone through, and uh, I, I I, look at my uh, – here, I could share my screen and show you exactly how I do this. I, I take a player, and I take the player the, – the, the play, that's a file number because for my camera, and then I say which player stood out in that play. And I have to put them down as jersey numbers, and then I have to go back and find out. So twenty-one and twenty-two on defense. Do you have helmets? Really good. I don't know who they are. I have to go and find and see if I can find a group shot where I shot in on the back of their jerseys to see where they are because I haven't had time yet because I was was watching that part of it right before we came on here. And there's I can't find a roster with a, with jersey numbers anywhere. And I don't talk to people. It's not like I'm going to go up and ask somebody. Hey, so um, I was like, I'll figure it out. Give me a few days. I'll figure it out. But 21 and 22 had very, very nice days for the national team. You figure okay. out who it is. <laughs> and put numbers on your damn rosters. <laughs> well, the, hopefully we'll get it. I put out some feelers. Hopefully to find some for you. But uh, probably Jason should get on out of here. the jersey numbers. Okay. Well, hopefully we can get that. All right. Here. And gentlemen in the chat, just because I'm not in here, enough. Enough with the talk about the 
accusations and all of that stuff enough move on ah you heard it dad's mad no you're right it's too much um it's it's rough um we're gonna see how it plays out and obviously we have our own walks of life that can uh, lead to our own opinions and takes on this but uh I think the best thing we can all agree on is that we need to see more information come out and hopefully the truth will be revealed. So thank you so much, Scott, for being down there. Hopefully you can get some rest. I don't know if you are, I know you are probably not heading down to Veets. I know that's typically a big uh, elbow brushing spot down there in Mobile. No, I don't socialize. (laughs) (laughs) I I watch my video and I go to bed and I get up early. So the two videos I'm going to put out tonight, uh, or at least tomorrow morning at at the latest, by the time everybody gets up, is I'll put up the throws of Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett. I think those are two of the, the the people that are most interested, and I'm almost done logging that video, so it won't take me uh, it won't take me too long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, hope again talking about the Broncos stuff going on. Hopefully the hopefully the truth will be revealed. It's a rough situation. It's a black eye on the league and the Broncos, no matter what. Um, but hopefully it can get better. And uh, you know. Hopefully the Broncos found the right guy and we got new ownership coming in, new general manager. Uh, it's in the past, at least in that regard as well. So hopefully we can be happy about this team. Happy to have Scott down here. So one comment coming in from silent one, not a draft guy, but I'd love to know how Scott and Nick graded someone like Mahomes in 17. I ask because it seems like the opposite of an exact science to me, specifically at the quarterback evaluation. Um, I'll be honest with you in 2016. I only did a very, uh, peripheral viewing of the quarterbacks because the Broncos just took a quarterback in Paxton Lynch. And I was told that it's not likely that they're going to take a quarterback. So I spent a lot of time on receivers, offensive tackles, defensive linemen in that class. So I think that was the Garrett Bowles class as well. So I had a lot of offensive yep. line takes in that one did not really get to grade Patrick Mahomes, but you're right. I mean, it fluctuates year to year as far as the quarterback stuff. It, quarterback's hard. Um, it's definitely not an exact science. I will say that right now, um, it does seem like you need a guy with some superhero traits to really become an elite quarterback in the NFL. Um, there are not many guys playing like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady that are the elite of the elites of the young quarterbacks. Uh, but there's different ways to win. There's different ways to execute. It is a game about getting the ball to your playmakers in space, in time. Um, it'll always be about that. Uh, so different ways yeah. to win, but I do think the superhero traits matter. And silent one, you're, you're absolutely correct because the quarterback position football is a, is, is an athlete's game. You know, you hear guys talking all the time. So oh, I was a college basketball player until my junior year in college. Then I decided to pick up football and now I'm a first round draft pick. That doesn't happen in any other sport. It, it doesn't. There's more athleticism. The, the skill versus athleticism boundary is leans much more towards athleticism in football, except at the quarterback position quarterback position depends the most on stuff you cannot measure, which makes it so so much harder to evaluate. But you generally, you know, the it factor, the intangibles, you can generally see it. So it, it makes it hard to say, okay, is Mac Jones going to be the guy? He doesn't have an arm of these other players, but he handles the pressure so well. Joe Burrow, and and I didn't watch those guys, and you mentioned Mahomes, because I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't scout Mahomes for the NFL draft. Uh, but one of the first shows I did on Mile High Huddle, we were talking about Deshaun Watson. I saw a lot of Deshaun Watson, and he had it. When you see it, you know it. He didn't have a huge arm. He had a below average, not a below average. He had maybe an average NFL arm, but he didn't have a, a plus NFL arm. Not huge, not all that fast. Doesn't really like to run, but he was calling his own plays at the line of scrimmage in high school. 
this is the smartest quarterback I ever saw. And all he's done is lead and win and win and win. The off-field stuff, we're, we're talking about the quarterback, Deshaun Watson. So I saw that's what I saw in Deshaun Watson. Now, that's what you're looking for when you're when you're going beyond the physical skill is or all those type of things. And it's 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 tough. It's tough because then you're still not sure. Man, I love this guy, Nicobe Dean. I love Nicobe Dean. Love him for all the same reasons I love Deshaun Watson. He's brilliant. He's a hard worker. He's an incredible leader. But what if he's just not big and fast enough? That's a question. I, I believe in him. I do. But it's it becomes a becomes a it becomes a, a question that way. Absolutely. Well, we're excited to see what tomorrow can bring for the practices. Hopefully it's a better day for the Broncos. Um, hopefully you guys have a good rest of your day. Make sure you're following us. Carl, you have anything you want to say before you get on out of here? Uh, no, just uh, thanks, Scott. I really appreciate all that information. And uh, I'm excited to, to listen in and see what you have to say for the, the next few days here. And I, I love the Senior Bowl. I really do. And I'm excited to see what all comes of this and how these quarterbacks really separate themselves. Cause like you said, a lot of them are close in a lot of areas. You know, the, the tape itself is close. And so you're kind of hoping here at the senior bowl, somebody would separate themselves and it, it we'll might see be tough. how it plays out. You know, it, it might be tough. Again, I mentioned before we even got started that this would be where Malik, Malik Willis would not shine at, at this event. And if he did, you've got something, you know, he, because he brings, he'll bring stuff to the table that maybe only Sam Howell can match. Maybe, you know, the running and the escapability and all that, the improvisation and all that type of stuff. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I saw, again, I think the accuracy will come along and uh, because you'll get more familiarity with the uh, with the receivers and the timing will sync up a little better as long as the weather holds off. It's supposed to rain a little bit tomorrow. Well, hold, hopefully... If it does rain a little bit, will they just move them all inside or would they make them go out in the elements? There is no inside. There is no inside now. There used to be inside. Mm, okay. I haven't been here when they've gone inside. I've been out here freezing our butts off before. Okay. Yeah, it's the uh, – I think it was inside a few years ago um, when the Mac Jones – it must have been even last year because there was the Mac Jones tapes, highlights that were going around. It's like, well, it's inside. And then the weather was windy the next day. I, I could have sworn there yeah, was an inside was I was here last year, and all six practices hmm. were outdoors. Gosh, I feel like I remember there was really bad weather with an inside practice at the South Alabama University practice facility. I don't know. I didn't think they had an indoor here. Oh, oh, there's, there's, they do have one that's under a, it's, it's, it's roof, it's like a bubble, but not, yeah. yeah, a bubble. Yeah. Yes. So I they may have done it. some stuff over there and moved some folks over there. Um, yeah. And Nathan says, I hope the practices start on time tomorrow. Me too. I hope they do as well. Um, yep. Again, because it, it cuts into your, uh, it cuts into what I'm able to do for you. I told Nick, I'm like, I, I feel obligated. I've got, I need to, I need to know this stuff. I need to see it. I need to be ready. Y'all are counting on me. Yeah. And I, 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 admit, I, I didn't get to rewatch a, a second practice today. Well, we'll let you get to it. We're going to get on out of here. We appreciate you guys. You guys can follow Scott and Carl and myself on Twitter. Scott is at scout Kennedy. We'll be live tomorrow on Scott's channel. Check us out tomorrow morning. Uh, Carl, you can find at Carl Dunmore MHH and I'm at Nick Kendall MHH. Also make sure you're following us at BTB football pod and at mile high huddle. If you guys are joining us on Facebook today, please join us at facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle and forward slash mile high huddle pod. If you have some time and you're on YouTube and you haven't done so yet, what are you doing? Subscribe, like, and share to the show uh, for Huddle Up, Mile High Huddle over on YouTube. And uh, again, we're going to be live on Scott's channel tomorrow at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. Uh, Scott and I'll probably powwow about this afterwards or discuss it afterwards. But um, 
yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us in the chat today. I know it was a, a touchy subject uh, overall, which can lead to some very strong uh, reactions. But, you know, we're humans. Um, hopefully the truth will come out. And hopefully, you know, the, normal people learn from their mistakes. If there are mistakes here, though, smarter people learn from other people's mistakes. That's what I've learned uh, almost 30 years on this earth. So if something went wrong there. Let's hopefully we can learn from it and grow from it. You guys stay safe. We love y'all. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.